1: Here with Joel L. Condon and Dennis Stick. We're back in Detroit in our offices, or in Dennis's case, in his home. Uh, it's good to be back. It was great to be in New York. It was great to see some people, but we're back in our regular spots and we feel good about that. Uh, to this morning, wow, Target. Uh, what can you say about that one? They blew it away. So we'll talk about Target. We've got earnings as well from Urban Outfitters, Lowe's, a couple of Chinese stocks, but Target's going to be the big story of the morning, a couple other uh, headlines as well. Some big contrarian ratings today, upgrades specifically, Canopy Growth and I, Intelsat, both catching upgrades. Uh, we'll talk about that as well. Our guest today, Andrew Channon, he will join the show at 8 to 35. He has a new Space ETF. He is the co-founder and CEO of Procure AMs and talk about his Space ETF and his ticker UFO. And then at 9, we'll be joined by Sean Udall and Joel and Sean will do the bonus hour as they've done for the first two Wednesdays of the month. Joel, let's throw it to you. What's going on here in the overnight session? Well, I'm actually
2: surprised the S&Ps are trading because I did not get a chance to do my levels last night and this morning catching up here, but... We are in the red by nine and a half handles here. We're trading at 3,109, pre-market high, 1,675, pre-market low, 0,50 here, a little bit of red here. I'm not going to get real concerned on the downside until we take out that 3,100 level. Psychological level, also, you had a low in there. I believe that was coming from last Friday. So we got a red candle, nothing to worry about as of yet. Uh, moving on to crude oil, rebounding from yesterday, slacking up 25 cents at 55.61. Gold in the red, just by a dime at 14.72.20. Silver in the red as well by 5.3 cents at 17.065. Bitcoin just trending lower here, folks. That's all you can say. The futures are clean at 8,000. Down forty five dollars at eight thousand and sixty five. So triple D. Uh, it was a nice two week vacation with you.
3: It felt like two weeks, did it? <laughs> Am I that hard to be with? You. Am I that well, hard to you, hang around with? Did it feel like two weeks to you too, as well, but, Spencer?
1: No,
2: Spencer wasn't no, with you no, as
1: much but as but I, I, was. I. Yeah, I was not with you as much as
3: Joel. <laughs> I'm not annoying. Joel thought it was two weeks and not two days.
1: <laughs> well, no, no, no.
2: Let's put it this way. You said as much as a normal person would say in two weeks.
3: Oh, <laughs> just don't be quiet. <laughs> you needed a muzzle. You needed a muzzle for me.
2: <laughs> no, but, but uh, shout no, out good. to everybody on the Benzinga crew yeah. on home, Patrick, Jason, putting on a, just an absolutely incredible event in New York. Met a lot of our fans out there. The FinTech Awards were, went really well. Met some interesting people. Uh, but I'll tell you. Looking at one screen, and my screen wasn't very good yesterday. And then coming, you know, back and you know, looking at the home setup, boy, what a difference! It oh, is what a
3: difference! That. What a difference! Oh, wow! You don't feel lost. I'm sitting there, and I've just got the, uh, I've just got actually Spencer's, Spencer's laptop, and I got a little iPad there, and I'm sitting here and trying to, you know, get a feel for the market. I'm just feel like I'm in the dark. I come in here. I've got my screens. I got my filters running which is my scanners. I've got you know, all the up the stocks that are up, stocks that are down, stocks that are bid up, stocks that are bid down. You know, I, I've got a stocks whole deal, you know, I, I come here, I sit here for five minutes. I kind of know what's going on. Off I sat there for two hours and I was like, I still feel kind of in the dark. Got to have your setup. It's got to be your setup. So it's all about, you know, building your setup and getting comfortable. But information is key.
2: Okay. So uh, Spencer's did it. Excellent job putting together a lot of the content for today's show and uh how about Tarche the strong yeah. gets stronger here.
1: You know, nothing bad in this report. The call just starting a few moments ago, but as far as the numbers, they were great. Q3 just at EPS, a buck 36. Uh, versus a buck nineteen estimate sales eighteen point seven versus eighteen Holy point four nine billion dollars, so beat on the top and the bottom line and in the third quarter comps up four point five. That sounds good too for Target four yeah.
3: and a half comps. You think yeah, for- how long Target's been out there I and mean, they're getting four and a half comps too? versus three
1: point six percent estimates. Holy so macro, they blew, they blew away the comps number by a lot. Uh, the Q4 EPS guidance was a little bit light, but we don't care about that because they're raising their full-year EPS guidance, raising it by about 30 cents from a low of 5.90 to a low of 6.25 for the wow. year. Uh, and they said that di- uh, digital uh, channel sales growth 31%, e-commerce growth 31%, 80% of that growth was same-day fulfillment services. Right, so that's Big. that's really big so there, like I said there's really nothing bad in this report the only question and I, I said this to Joel on the pre pre market show is will the, will the stock suffer the same fate as Walmart we saw that be, Walmart numbers were really,
3: really really, good
1: yeah I don't know if they were quite oh. as good but they were really good and
3: they gave it all back so, I'm going to tell you something people are expecting that people are expecting that oh I can come in here it's up 10 bucks Walmart was good numbers too and it's going to fade that's why I think it is not going to happen I actually think that Target could hold on to some of these gains. I don't know if it's going to keep running like we did on the last earnings report. And the last earnings report was the big gap and go. It was incredible. It went from $86 up to open up 99 and then just kept running all day, closed at 103 and then continued to run. I think you could see some of the same. I'm not chasing it up 10 bucks, but I'm not shorting it here either. The Walmart, I felt more comfortable you know, saying, I think it could come in. I don't know in this case. This is a really good quarter, um, and... I think there's some people who might be thinking that same thing. It's going to pull a Walmart. I don't think it's going to pull a Walmart. I don't think it's giving back the whole tent. Maybe it comes in a couple bucks. I think you're going to have people trying to buy the dip on the pullback here. Tell me about the pre-market action here, though, Mr. Conan, and try to change my mind.
2: Oh, I can always try and change your mind. I, I don't know if do any good. But uh, if, you, <laughs> if you want a target on Target, how you oh like that? Oh, my goodness.
3: We're going to start with the puns. It's too early for puns.
2: One twenty three sixty nine is where where they took it up to one twenty three sixty nine is your pre-market high and you're just starting to pull back a little bit since you've hit one twenty three sixty nine. I'll call this support, but it's minor support. Ah, 119.30. We've hit that on two of the last five 15-minute brackets. So there is your there's your early range 119.30 to 123.69.
3: I'm not seeing much in the buck. JV Speck, are you seeing much? Cuz I'm looking here and I see, you know, 7100 shares up by 120. No. I don't see anything sizable 115 90 100, there's nothing. I mean, this trade is 547,000 shares already. I don't see anything significant to think there's going to be book pressure that holds down this open on this one so it's wide open i mean yeah. you're trading at all-time highs the stock is wide open here i'm uh i'm not short again
0: quick question not going
3: here. this is a no trade no touch for me because up 10 i can't chase it so what does nick always say too too hot to chase too high no, no too, too hot. high to chase too hot or too hot to short
2: uh quick question here I'm showing almost 900,000 showings. So you think my trade station volume is- Is that the after hours volume too? Yeah, that must be. Yeah, because I got- pre-market volume
3: I have right now at 549,000. I think my system tracks it pretty good. I've, not, I've never seen an issue with it. So that's what I've got in the pre-market right now. So we have a discrepancy on the pre-market volume. I do have 549,000. I'm wondering if yours is just encompassing the after hours action as well. It was trading that- up after hours last night ahead of the number. And the people who were buying it last night were obviously correct.
2: You know what? It, you know what? That volume, unless those were some big crosses after the close, because I see a big block. Well, I don't know. Between, between 4 and 415. I have well,
3: 550,000, so I'm not sure. Maybe my system's wrong. What all right.
2: It's still wrong. a lot of volume. It's
3: all say 900,000 on his screen, too. Spinner's got 872,000, so maybe my system's <laughs> missing. So I have to call my quote provider here. What's going on? I got a 553,000. So all right. Well, it's a lot. Volume.
2: Don't look at that. Look at it up nine fifty-five.
3: Yeah, it's a lot. It's now and one thing, people, and I just want to say, when the company, so people are going to say, "Oh, Walmart should be way up more." Way in sympathy. Well, Walmart already reported, and we've talked about the sympathy trades before. We talked about a lot of that in New York yesterday, but. Um, sympathy is interesting when you have one company that's already reported we already know the Walmart numbers so there's no expectations that oh Walmart's going to be really good let's buy it as well we already got the Walmart numbers they were good and they sold it off on it so don't expect a huge move in Walmart it might lift a little bit on the target numbers but don't expect Walmart to be up 3-4 bucks on this in sympathy because we know we saw yesterday with Kohl's reporting Macy's was down to over 10% Kohl's down 17 you're not going to see that in this case because Walmart has already reported so it's, it's important to know those dynamics companies Already reported. There's no expectations for how Walmart's going to do, so they're not going to come in here and buy hand over fist, thinking the numbers are going to be good because we already know the numbers for Walmart and it's already been priced in. So that's why, uh, if however, looking at Walmart, I, it's only yeah, up 11 cents.
2: It's up only 11 cents here. But how many times have you seen a good report get sold? It just kind of trickles back, fills yeah. the gap. And actually, I think it filled the gap that day. Found support, you had two lows yep. at the 118.30 area, yep. you had another low at one eighteen thirty eight loveth. Here you are trading at 120, if you like the earnings, you feel like you missed out on it, you feel like the stock's going back to all-time high, you're picking it up at 120 and change, you let it go at 118, I mean, it's just, it's kind of, you know, the, whoever it's wanted it out... Up. Yep, it's just a setup. Yep. I don't know whether or not it's going to work, or, but uh, I'm
3: not taking it. But I yep. can see what you're talking about there. You have a you, know, you have a point to lean on, and like we say, you can put on any trade as long as you know where your out is. That's why, like on a stock like Innostat, we were talking on the show there when it was a fourteen dollars last week or fifteen dollars, whatever it was. We're like. You don't try to just be a hero here and call a bottom. Wait till it stops going down. At least give yourself a reference point. And then if it takes out that reference point, then it can get out. And I mean, the stock's at six bucks now. It's getting an upgrade this morning, which is maybe this is a good segue over because we've got RJ coming out with a bullish note on I, and they are calling a bottom. I mean, they are literally coming out here and upgrading the stock and trying to call the bottom, and the stock is trading higher. We'll go back to earnings season in a second, but let's talk
1: I and this RJ Note, Mr. Israel. All right, upgrade to outperform price target uh, raised to $12, or they announced a the price target to $12 here. Some highlights uh, from the Note. Uh, they believe that the pullback – I don't have my pump. Oh, Joel got to get – I have my old um, one. New there, okay. Mutagool. What is Joel yelling about? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, somebody about Um They said a recent pullback was due to speculation and confirmation that we got from the FCC on Monday. Uh, they think that, if I could read it more closely here, um, the previous FCC-run spectrum auctions included government stakes of 20 to 40%, which the firm sees as more likely, given that more than half of the stake... Uh, would result in litigation. So they do see the risk reward being more interesting down here. They're essentially just calling the bottom. I think it's going to try to call the bottom, be a bottom call, Yeah. I'm not being a hero.
3: I'm not gonna even try to call the bottom yet. Yes, it's bouncing nicely on the upgrade. Maybe you know you look at the five fifty five level now for whatever reason get some selling off, you know, you could try it. But five dollars like Kenny was saying yesterday on the show. Kenny was great too actually when we were out there we really enjoyed hanging out with Kenny. If you're listening, hi Kenny um but you look at this and five dollars are always big numbers because again like we said yesterday that's where securities become marginable or they lose their marginability here and so five is critical for the stock to hold and it held it yesterday it's obviously up on the upgrade here today but the story is still playing out here and that chart is so ugly from the last week i'm not going to be a hero trying to call a bottle on it yet
2: i I don't think you're going to see the 555. I well, think It's up, it's up 8%. Yeah, yeah. So, it's unless, up 8%. Unless there's another
3: analyst commentary or there's more headline news coming out of this stock, it's highly unlikely it's going to go red today with an upgrade. But you never know. There's a lot of overhead supply here
2: right so i would use if you're looking for an entry point you know maybe look at that close 609 bump it up a little bit 620 you know just some people that maybe want to call i don't know what they're short interest in i don't know how many people are short or how many people wait and nibble at five here but you have a different market dynamic you're gonna have to be buying into an up market as opposed to your bids just getting smacked so uh, um so 6.09, that was the close from yesterday, 5.55 low. Those are really the only numbers, but what I think is interesting about this, uh, the trading action so far is you haven't even taken out yesterday's high. (laughs) 6.90 was yesterday's high. Important. Uh, Yeah, close to yesterday. It's also at
3: the dreaded 6.66 offer right now.
2: Oh, boy, that is bad.
3: Remember we were going to write a a page in our book on the 6.66 trade, the devil trade we were going to call it, because that was the bottom in a G.E. That was the bottom of the S&P 500 there. Remember the S&P 500 back in the financial crisis, bottomed at 666. So when stocks go down to 666, that's the devil trade. Now let come back up to 666. Is the devil going to hold?
2: Your book is turning into a novel.
3: I know. It's getting long. I thought it was going to be like six pages, it's
2: like eight pages now. Yeah, it's getting, getting long here. But, yeah, you open up uh, 6, 690. Really opens up here, get over seven. But here we are trading at six sixty six, up fifty seven cents. I could always try and figure a nice retracement here, but we're far from uh, far from talking about that here. But uh, you know, we like these. We did a lot of talking in uh, New York about analyst radiance, uh, whether you're going with the herd or you're making a contrarian call. This is the definition of a contrarian call.
3: It is. Thanks. And we have two contrarian calls here this morning, Joel. we got a big one, and this one is very interesting. Canopy Growth getting upgraded. BAC, Spencer Israel, what's up? Upgrade, to, upgrade to buy, no less. I have to go into my... Whoa, market. that is a contrarian call, because this stock has been straight down. It feels like forever. We've been talking about the show. It's $50, i am just going to go to that, $52 back in May. So we go six months later, it's been cut down by about 65%. Trading out of 15 is up a dollar here this morning, almost on this upgrade of up 78 or 0.78 cents What was said in the note? You got any note? You got any? Highlights? I don't got anything
1: in the note in front of me. No, no highlights for you, but uh, first upgrade we've seen for this one in a while. And it's not a super uh, highly covered stock.
3: They're saying that- the worst. I'm just quickly trying to grab the note here. So they're saying the worst appears to be over. They expect the company can potentially exceed expectation. Okay. So the analyst comments, now with shares down 38% versus the S&P being up this year. Since our downgrade, the bad news is out. The valuation is more reasonable. And importantly, street estimates are achievable or even beatable for maybe the first time in Canopy's history as a public company. Channel inventory is getting leaner and data to look better ahead of retail dollar volume. A bear case based on multiple compression and to a certain extent cash burn, despite still years of cash, seems less robust now. So they jump in. That's a lot of bullish stuff. They're just saying the, the worst is over is what they're trying to say for CGC. I don't know if that's the case. All I can tell you is that this trend is still not your friend. And there's going to be a lot of people wanting to sell as the stock comes back up because everybody is burned on this. And like Spinner was saying, we are going to be entering tax law season two. And that is not good for the pod stocks either. I believe rallies are to be sold on all pod stocks. I think the worst is not over. So I'm disagreeing. Um, on the overall sector i don't know about specifically cgc but i think if you're buying pot stocks here it could be a rally for a day or two i mean this could kickstart the sector i don't think i'm chasing cgc up uh five percent but if cgc really goes crazy and gets up to like 17 18 squeeze them a little bit there if i was long i'd be lighting up
2: uh, just one comment on your book from ivan he wants to know or he says if it's longer than 10 pages then make it a video because he has a gen z attention span
3: <laughs> okay uh, um so well, i what? will say the other pot stocks are going to lift with this <laughs> so okay. it's not just going to be cgc it's going to be all the pot stocks are likely to lift with this so if you're trading pot it's going to have a, probably a pretty good morning if for whatever reason they turn around and start giving it back here that is horrible so hopefully for all you out there hopefully this can be the start of maybe a little relief rally a dead cat bounce, whatever you want to call it i don't think this is the start of a new bull market I think this could be a relief rally because these things are so oversold. So could we squeeze Kronos back up to eight? Potentially. Potentially. I don't know if I'm trading it, though, just because there's so much overhead supply in this, and the trade's been so bad. Could they squeeze, you know, an Aurora, can- or Aurora cannabis maybe like, up to like 260 or 270? Maybe. I mean, it was there two days ago. So they're kind of, like, shorting and, and right away into this bounce. It, it's, a hard, it's hard to do because they're so oversold. So, when you see a, an analyst bullish call like this, it gets everybody a little bit excited more about the sector. So, you could see a day or two, maybe, of relief pop. I think it fizzles out eventually, though.
2: And but trades,
3: uh, not investments here, in my opinion.
2: Okay. So, the only people here that are profitable are the people that really have bought it over the last four days. Uh, you went down, made a low at 1381. So, what you have is all these. People that had waited all this time and started bottom fishing over the last three days, four days. All those people right now are offering it at like 1632. We've hit in the last. Yeah. Yeah. Or taking profits. I mean, there are some people in profits here, right? Over the last four days.
3: Yeah. The day traders, like people who had it overnight. I mean, there was a nice candle yesterday. So it's a good time to upgrade it, too. You had a little bit of a reversal there. You did a full full, uh, reversal there was talking to a new low and then a new high on the day. So that was bullish in itself. So there'd be some technical traders that would have bought CGC yesterday just from a technician's perspective. would not there, Joel?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. To go down and make a new low and then and then come make a bend. new high? That yeah. was a
3: reversal day.
2: Yep. Yep. Uh, so what I'm looking at here, if you can clear this 1632, which is the pre-market high, I'll, I get excited, but I want to get real excited. I want to see what happens at 1662. And you mentioned that level, Dennis. That's your four-day high. Your next daily high is almost three bucks higher than that. So if they can push this thing through sixteen sixty-two, get it up into the seventeen handle, you know. Once again, people that wanted to buy it yesterday and didn't will have to buy it into a lifting market, and also people that ah, I'm covering this thing at ten bucks, they're either going to have to wait a couple days or buy into a rising market. So sixteen sixty-two. That's a good level of the clear here. Uh, in, uh, in canopy growth, uh, Spoo's getting off the mat. We missed another buy-the-dip opportunity. Yeah,
3: if it pulls um, by 10 points, you see, yeah, to have to buy. Yeah. Those are the dips now. We get did market down 0.35%? Oh, that's, that's, that's a bit. We're going to buy the dip, buy the dip. They can't even let it fall down 1% or 2% from the highs anymore. It only falls down fractions of a percent from the high before the buy-the-dippers come in. So, I don't know. Yeah. This market just buy the dip.
2: Do you you want a tough question from Juan Pablo Posada? Yes. Can you teach us the most common technical indicators used by institutions, hedge funds, and large investors? Most common? Yeah. Trends. (laughs) For real. It is. It's trends.
3: I mean, I I think that's, you know, you can use indicators and everything all you want, but everybody's following the trend. So stocks are trending up. They're buying pullback. Stocks are trending down. They're selling rallies. I mean, this is why this comes to fruition. This is a trendy, the market has been trend following for years. They want the trends to be up. They want, you know, and that's what what they want. The stocks to be stronger. Those are the ones they're buying. The stocks are weaker they're selling. So I'm just going to say it again. It's all about trends.
2: And I would say. From a technical perspective. Yeah, from a technical perspective. (laughs) I would say put fundamental in there instead of uh, technical because I think the fundamentals ultimately you rule a lot of their decisions oh I, i'm more of a
3: fundamental trader than a technical trader yep. we, we know that if you're listening to the show yep. but i respect the trend
2: yep because if you if you if you identify something that you want fundamentally then you go to the technicals if you're just trying to look at the technicals no matter how good your indicators or your technical analysis is if the fundamentals are not there and the company's losing money then good chance the stock's not going to go anywhere but uh, in
3: the long run fundamentals are the or what makes the price really in the long run the short run you have technicals you have always have a lot of other factors you can have your market structure factors locates and different stuff but for the most part you know in the long long run it's fundamentals that will drive price i mean this is like target it's the same story target blows away blows away raises
2: guidance stocks probably going higher all right, so guess what book Robin Steckel is recommending we read? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you only get one guess. Mm-hmm.
3: Don't look no at idea. the. U- oh, the the one that's been out, the Renaissance. Simon the Simon's book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we we've had that's a she's the fifth person in the last week, so I better read this book. It must be pretty good. So yeah. obviously, you know, um, that hedge fund has outperformed the market for what forty years. Is that what it is? Yep. Give me back, give background in that book, Spencer. You know it. Give the background of this book just for uh, other listeners, because I don't know if we've talked about on the show.
1: Yeah, it, it's a. It's, I think it might be the first book, uh, the first or maybe the What's only. What's the name book. of the book? You got the name of the book in front of you. Yeah, I had it yesterday. The, the man who first. solved the markets. The man, the man who solved the markets, written by a longtime reporter here, and he got some pretty good access. Uh, not not with the company itself, but with former former employees and and sort of how how they. Essentially, beat the market. How they constructed their systems to do so. Employees of who? Of of, of Renaissance. He talked to. Okay, uh, okay. 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 Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, he got better access than I think almost anyone who it's has. Like a little writing. inside scoop in the Renaissance. Yeah. The the author's name is Gregory Zuckerman. Uh, he's he's a long time yeah. uh you know a long time uh, writer, and so I've I I'm, I haven't bought it yet. Full disclosure. I've just listened to interviews he's given. But I'm don't. going to buy. it. I'm going to read it because I think I'm going to read it too. I don't hardly read
3: any trading books anymore. I often find I just don't gain that much from it, um, you know. But uh, this one sounds like a pretty good one, and I I'm curious, you know, if they give me a few secrets from Renaissance, sure, I'll check it out. All right, yeah, So Wait. that's a book that everybody has recommended to us when we were out in New York. It was like at least four people recommended that book. So let's go back to It's
1: Got a- to be a good one. Well, let's go back to earnings. We we missed lows. We talked target, we missed lows. Yeah. Let's go back and to lows. What game. did we say on the show? What we did say, we say on the show yesterday?
3: We said the bar was set low, no pun. Intended. The bar was set very low for lows. Remember we kept saying low, and if we say low one more time, it was, it was the, the puns were just out of hand on lows. But we said the bar was set very low, no pun intended. Meaning that because Home Depot had obviously missed and disappointed, if Lowe's said anything okay, the stock was likely to rally. Well, they did not only say anything okay, they actually beat, and as sales were up, so they kind of showed Home Depot how to do it. Now, this quarter was good, but other things being equal, without the Home Depot report, I do not believe it would have been up five points here this morning, so I think the bar was set so low that they were expecting lows to lower guidance and potentially miss, and they actually give us a number, Spencer, and then I'll go. To the All right, Q uh,
1: three uh, adjusted EPS a buck forty one 41 versus a buck thirty five. Sales of seventeen point three nine versus seventeen point six eight billion. So a slight sales miss to go with the EPS beat and the uh, full year adjusted EPS guidance they gave is in line. So in line. essentially, good
3: enough for it, right? Yeah. This report, if Lowe's would have reported first and not Home Depot, I think Lowe's could even be down on this report. That's how much the Home Depot reported mattered. But expectations were so low for Lowe's yesterday. I mean, Lowe's traded down two points off the Home Depot report. So everybody expecting the worst, expecting that while Home Depot lowered. So in all likelihood, Lowe's had a bad quarter too. Well, Lowe's came in line. That was good enough. And they didn't lower guidance. That was good enough too. And that's why the stock is up $5. It's not that this report was awesome. It's the fact that it wasn't as bad as Home Depot. And that matters. So it's always good. If the company, if you're reporting second, you always want the company that was reporting first to miss, because then the bar is set lower for it. If the company blows it away, that's reporting first, then the bar is set high, and then there's a higher likelihood that you're going to have to blow it away too to go higher. So it's all about sentiment coming in. Expectations were set much lower because of Home Depot, and that is why Lowe's is up five points here this morning on this okay report.
2: If you're looking for a candidate to give back the gains and you had to pick between, or if I had to pick between Lowe's and Target, I th- and lows. for other reasons besides what you just said, Dennis, I'd say Lowe's. Yeah. Because uh, you hit the pre-market high at uh, 120.67. That far exceeds the former all-time high. And I know Target's a different situation. What was the pre-market with, high? What was former all-time high was 118.23. i got that. What was the pre-market high? pre-market high was 120.67. Okay, 120
3: yeah. is going to be big.
2: Yeah, there you go, because you've already peeled back. You did the ne- next couple brackets, you hit 120.50, and then you came in and it was 119.77. So I bet you those offers are stacking up here at 120. That could be you know, where the designated market maker is going to have to fill could all be. those uh, sell orders. And then if you're looking for the gap fill support, I don't know if you'll see the top of yesterday's range, one fifteen twelve, but uh, this one, just keep an eye on it. Be more likely sellers to see if they what they can do at one twenty. They don't get to one twenty, maybe look for a little bit of a decline.
3: Yeah, I mean that's a good point you're making there. The only problem I have overall with you know people coming here and shorting the lows is that it's at all time highs. Yep. I don't like shorting stocks making new all time highs ever, because it's all air above. And you've got some people that were maybe playing it the other way saying, well, Home Depot, Miss Lowe's is bound to miss too. So I'm going to short it. And those people are all caught. And those people are like, well, this quarter wasn't that great. Why is it up $5? Well, you weren't listening to the pre-market prep show yesterday. It's all about expectations. A lot of times in. they go it's in separate directions.
2: A lot of times. They do a lot of
3: times because it's all about those expectations. Set the bar lower. We could beat that. So, And they did. And that's all there is to it. You know, if they were reported, you know, like I said, if it wasn't reversed and Lowe's would have reported first, I do not believe Lowe's would have been up $5 in this report. The Home Depot report really mattered. Two two Lowe's.
2: Okay, 8.30 uh, as we climb our way back in the futures here, down only seven handles here. Another
3: retail stock wreck too here. These apparel
1: retailers are just a mess. Urban. They, yeah, and we didn't talk about it a few days ago, but... Abercrombie got hammered. They all got hammered. Uh, well, this
3: is it? one that the, <laughs> the bar gets set right. lower, and they find, find and they find a way to actually
1: go under the bar. <laughs> go ahead. Right. So, Urban Outfitters reporting yesterday after the close Q3 EPS fifty six cents. They only missed it by a penny. Uh, sales nine hundred eighty seven versus a one a million versus a one billion estimate so they missed both the numbers comps up 3% I guess that's okay although I, I don't know what the estimate was I don't have it in front of me here um, regardless sales and earnings miss in the quarter not what you want to see I don't know after that Kohl's debacle yesterday I
3: just kept going down and down and down and Macy's kept going down and down and down Nordstrom tried to hold on It held on okay there um, when's Nordstrom report? Is that tonight? I think it might be tonight or tomorrow. Let it's coming. Yeah. Macy's is coming too. Nordstrom is tomorrow. All right, Nordstrom. The bar is set lower for Nordstroms and Macy's. Macy's. So is- I never like to bet on Macy's law because Macy's has a way of going under that low bar. You know, but JWN is interesting. JWN, if they say anything, okay, the stock could actually be. You know, this stock's a little more loved for whatever reason right now. It held on pretty good yesterday like consider the coal sell-off and i know we'll come back to urban in a second but to consider how bad the coal sell-off was macy's totally participated in that it could not catch any you know support really whatsoever it was down almost 10 percent by the end of the day the nordstrom was only down three four percent it was holding on pretty well so if nordstrom can come out and say okay earnings the stock could you know the stock could rally so i don't want to bet against nordstrom here or at least on this report um, going back to the Urban Outfitters, these stores, like it's like the Gap. I mean, they're just a mess. Um, it wasn't that bad of a quarter, but it doesn't matter. They just don't want to own these stocks. And they had a nice relief rally, the laggard rally from September and October. But if you look, go a little bit farther out on your weeklies and you look at the, what it's done for the last two years, the stock is basically straight down. It means a lot of overhead supply. A lot of people are caught. And the story now for the retail stocks, where it got hot for a little bit, has cooled off significantly. And Urbn down fourteen percent. I do not expect this to rally us back today. Did they
2: give pizza sales?
3: Is that's this the one that's selling pizza now? <laughs> that's like
1: every quarter. <laughs> Did, are you were you right? Were do they really sell pizza at Urban Outfitters? Yeah, something? remember they bought that pizza place a few years ago? They bought the pizza, the, the the Philadelphia-based pizza restaurant.
3: Buy yourself a nice little uh, teeny bopper shirt and a slice of pizza. <laughs> It's
1: yeah. a business model. We'll feed yeah. you and
3: we'll we we'll clothe you. We do all you know all yeah. your uh pizzeria you got you hooked
1: up. Pizzeria Vitri. Uh, uh Yeah. No, <laughs> no, they did not give pizza sales, Joel. Okay. I do see a, a
2: potential area of support here. Ooh. And yeah, I do. Look at uh, go to your dailies here. September eighteenth, all nope. the way through September twenty fifth of this year. One, two, three, four, five, six lows in the same area. Call it 24 bucks. You got it there in the, uh, in the after hours. You got it down to 2390. So, so that not,
3: coincides nicely. We yeah, talked about I this like, when we were in New York yesterday too. When those pre-market lows coincide with those lows from before, that's not bad. So you have a setup. A setup to call the bottom an urban. Are you doing it? Uh, I don't think it's going to get there. Oh, you don't think it's gonna get down four and a half bucks, Can it down in the fifty cents? I think you could test it. It's
2: just like one of those Does it hold? It's just one of those sleep you know. I don't exactly. like any of these
3: stocks, so I'm probably not playing it, but I can see your setup. Maybe you get a little bounce trade twenty three ninety. Maybe. I
2: Yeah. I well could get i do not on don't.
3: board with that. You could you could probably talk me into it. Okay.
2: All right. I'm just don't I, talk I
3: mean, me into it. I don't like buying these retail stocks.
2: When you see that many daily lows in one area. And then you see a bump up to 31 bucks and then it comes back down to that area. I, that I don't know. It's just, memory. yeah, just historical, you know, significance of it. It could go to 21 bucks today, but I'm just saying there's support. There were buyers five days in a row. There was buyers in the pre-market and now you're starting to lift. So they're like, Oh, I missed 24. Now I'm going to go 24, 10 bit. Oh, I'm not getting that. Now i got to go 24, 20 So, yeah, we'll this happens. is
3: only trade 117,000. Am I right? What's the volume on your urban? Let's see what uh, my volume I, stands Yeah, 117. I wonder yeah. why Target was different. 117. I have the exact same thing, well, too. I oh, wonder why I had different numbers in Target. Uh, What's I your target know. now? I'm 823.
2: 1165.
3: I must have missed something. My corporate rider must have missed a big trade or something. That's really so yeah, weird. I don't I've know. never seen that before.
2: Yeah, I'm going to yell at sure. them. Okay. Anyways, I'm not going to
3: throw them under the bus and tell you who they are, but I'm going to yell at them.
2: So, uh, Tarjay uh, continues the rally here. We are at 122.30 now. up That's what you saying. Yeah. I would not
3: be fading this. Not 120. yet. It was 120 and a half. I'm, I would not be fading this target one. I think you got some people. It's breaking out, new highs, really good quarter. I don't think it pulls a Walmart. I'm going to say it again. I do not think this gives us back.
1: All right, 8 to 35, let's bring on today's guest. Uh, long time uh, fr- a friend of the show has been on, but he's on for something new today, Andrew Chanin. He's the co-founder and CEO of Procure AM, and he's got a new ETF uh, with maybe the best symbol on Wall Street. Andrew, good morning. Can you hear me? Good morning. I can. Can you hear me? I can, and I can see you. So, Andrew, uh, you got the procure space etf ticker ufo congratulations well done on the ticker yeah stop how do you
3: get a ticker ufo how is that not taken by someone that's a fantastic ticker
4: much appreciated i was i was thrilled when i I came up with it but even more thrilled when i realized it was not currently taken or reserved which it's not easy these days (laughs) no
2: it's really out of this
4: world
3: thank you i'm regretting you know that i never took ddd because my my initials i'm dennis dale dick i'm I'm triple d everybody calls me i'm regretting and it's 3d systems now but it was available for a while i should have like got that if i was ever gonna go public myself just launch myself public i was gonna go under the symbols ddd so congratulations on getting that ufo you got to be fast
4: I appreciate it. Let me know when, the, when your IPO is. <laughs> I don't know what I'm IPOing, but <laughs> like it's a the well, Tell it, us
3: about your fund.
4: So we launched UFO in April. It was a concept that I had been working on for a while, but we were thrilled to actually find uh, a group that had been working on building out one uh, a space index actually several years. And so it's a, a coordinated effort between a known index provider, S-Network Global Indices, and a newcomer that has a significant background in the space industry, a company called um, Space Investment Services led by Micah Walter Range, a former director of the Space Foundation. And so he has a background in space technology and space policy and really understands the industry, the players. And so you know, when we were kicking the tires on the various indexes out there, we, we found this one and fell in love with it. So um, you know, what they do is they break down uh, both pure play, which um, you know I think when someone's looking at investing in a thematic fund, one that's following a specific industry, I think that pure play exposure is something that's typically very important for them as opposed to something that has you know, just completely diversified companies that aren't really moving the company's bottom line from their, that specific theme but maybe from other businesses. Um, but that said, Um, You know, 20% or less of the fund does have some of these more diversified, um, think aerospace and defense names. So like your Lockheeds and your Airbuses and Boeings and whatnot that are major players in space, but it's not a majority of their revenues. But the types of companies that this index is looking at are companies that specialize in ground equipment manufacturing that are dependent upon satellite systems rocket and satellite manufacturing and operations, satellite-based telecommunications, think radio and television broadcasting, um, certain things like uh, a satellite imagery um, that's typically used for intelligence services and actually more and more now being used by um, even hedge funds to get new data that other people aren't necessarily looking at to make you know, more educated or different decisions using different data that others aren't using and then other types of space technology and hardware.
1: That actually brings me to my uh, my next question, which was, you know, you, there's if you look at the holdings, you get the obvious names, you get Lockheed, Boeing, as you mentioned. But if you can break it down by sector for us, what is what is the sector breakdown here? You've got some communication, you've got some uh, defense companies, but like, what is what is the sector breakdown here?
4: Yeah, so uh, it's heavily you'll see a lot of the communication services. So um, you know the companies that you might be familiar with. Um, you know, are, are, are something like a, an AT and or something like that, which again is a diversified name, so it has a, a you know a lower max cap on its weighting um, and falls in this group of diversifieds under twenty percent. But you'll actually see a lot of these satellite companies, so companies that own um, you know significant satellite networks or even constellations that are acting as satellite operators. Um, which, you know, you do get satellite manufacturing in the fund, but satellite companies are something that most people don't really have that much exposure to for the most part. And if you're looking at other, you know, ETFs, um, you know, even aerospace and defense or, you know, broader technology or communications, you're not really getting that much exposure to satellites. So one of the neat things I think when you look at this fund is, okay, it doesn't just have, you know, my, my personal favorite ticker, um or, you know, other things going on, um, you know, that, that make it like a, like a gimmick. It actually has these companies that are reliant upon space-based systems and services and, um, you know, satellites are something that are, you know, very underfound in many people's portfolios. So, you know, I think one of the reasons that those types of companies are overlooked is because people don't really understand them. But if you look at some of these other transformational technologies and trends that other people are getting excited about and launching funds about and, you know, Um, you know, investing significant capital and you're talking things like 5G, uh, internet of things and connected devices, blockchain even. Um, So some of these, you know, data intensive industries, uh, many of them are actually reliant upon satellite based systems in order for that data that's being generated to get from point A to point B. And so it's kind of an underlooked area, but a lot of this fund right now, what you're getting, because this is what, uh, uh, you know, a large portion of the um, of of the current publicly traded space industry is comprised of at the moment is uh, the satellite companies.
1: Yep, and I but see. Views. Yeah, yeah. You're I also getting
4: that. industrials and information technology and some consumer discretionary, as well as you know, very little materials. Um, now, c- could that change in the future? Um, certainly, you know the, the index isn't just set it and forget it. It is a rules-based index, and it can look at um, you know other types of industries that we might emerge into, like space tourism and transportation and hospitality, which you know things like Virgin Galactic and whatnot make those types of areas possible. But also, you know, the militarization and defense of space, right. space resource extra- uh, exploration extraction. So it is a, a living, breathing index that is looking at all these areas that might become. Uh, future publicly traded space companies.
1: Right. And, you know, you look at the holdings, you see names like DISH and Comcast and AT&T as well and Garmin. Uh, how actively managed is is the fund? Because I look and I see I, ticker I, we've been following this one here, it went from 22 to five in a week. It's up to six now. But, uh, you know, you, you get a big loser like that over the course of a week. How actively managed is, is UFO?
4: UFO is uh, a passively managed uh, fund. It tracks the um, uh, S Network Space Index, which is a, a global index and you know comprises companies from around the world. I'm glad that you actually brought up Intelsat. Um, you know, space, just like many other industries, can be a volatile one. And trying to play an industry by picking an individual name could be a very, very risky um, proposition, putting all of your eggs in one basket. You know, That's actually one of the reasons why looking at a, a long-term technology-heavy driven industry, to me, um, you know, it made sense to actually provide for investors something that was giving them Instant diversification, not just to US companies, but to global companies. So, although Intelsat is actually listed um, on a US exchange, it's actually a Luxembourg based company. And what's really interesting about what's going on with that company is um, currently in the US, we're looking at doing a 5G spectrum auction. And because Intelsat, as well as some other satellite companies, happen to be um, actually internationally domiciled, US regulators. Um, are actually looking at that as something that they might not want to allow a foreign country's um, uh, technology companies to actually be a player in something that is um, that the U.S. is going to be reliant upon in the future. So when that news came out, we did see that um, Intelsat um, took, took a big hit that they might not be allowed to enter this auction. But you have to look at this from a global perspective. If the U.S. is doing certain things from a trade war perspective or others, you have to wonder what happens when other countries or regions um, have their own auctions or things like that for 5G. Will U.S. companies see that same isolation and be blocked out? And if that's the case, um, you know, it, it might be a loss currently in the U.S. Um, for a company like Intelsat but in the future, it might be actually a benefit in Europe or Asia or something like that for other companies. So it really is important for such a globally collaborative industry to have, in my mind, a global representation.
1: Uh, so Andrew, you're you're known prior to this for uh, the ticker hack, the ETF hack, and uh, that was a, a good idea, and you were ahead of that theme. Uh, but your timing was also great because if I recall, just after you launched Hack was the Sony hack, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, and that, that was the big catalyst uh, for
4: your fund. Is, what is the big catalyst here for space? Is, is there one? Um, I actually think that there could potentially be several catalysts and why space is actually a really important industry to be looking at today. Um, one of those things that I, th- that I think is you know, a trend coming up is the militarization and defensive space. So we look at things like the creation of the Space Command and Space Force. That's not just happening in the US, they're also looking at um, doing that in France. China, India, Russia. And if you look at any other area where the U.S. has been a leader, militarily speaking, which has been every single one of those areas of land, air, sea, and even cyberspace, space is another one of these domains that the U.S. wants to be a leader. So to that extent, um, you know, if other countries are continuing to spend massive amounts on positioning themselves to be leaders in outer space, it would be shocking to see the U.S. say, okay, you know what, we will allow that to happen. So I think the militarization and defensive space is one of those areas. But like we mentioned before, you think of things like 5G, Internet of Things, big data, um, blockchain, things that are completely data intensive, very important for um, you know, making various technologies that we are you know, building off of work. Satellites are the, the digital uh, toll operator for this digital superhighway in many cases. Yes, maybe 5G in certain limited cases can work in a very small network, but when you're looking at taking data globally, satellites are absolutely essential for much of of these various technologies to work. And all of these technologies, if people are saying those are going to be game-changing technologies, well, they're saying that an immense more amount of data is going to be created and that data will need to go from point A to point B. So that is another potential area. If those areas start to take off, satellites might become a much bigger player as well from that. But also, um, you, know, you look at uh, you know, various investment banks and research houses like Morgan Stanley. And they're predicting that the space industry by um, 2040 will increase to over uh, one trillion dollar industry. And um, even other outlets, Bank of America, believes that the space industry will be roughly a $2.7 trillion industry by 2045. And what those two um, groups agree on is that broadband internet will be one of the largest drivers of that. So, you know, doing stuff like we're doing today and, and you know, live streaming the, this video, um, you know, satellites may be playing a major role in how this video is actually going out from, from us together, as well as to the the thousands and millions of viewers around the world. So, you know, the way that we're using our, our phones and relying upon it, 5G is one of those things that, you know, satellites are helping enable that technology. So I think there could be many different things that allow it. But, you know, if you also look at some other technological cross sections that are making space more accessible, you have things like reusable rockets. If you don't have to just destroy a rocket every single time you launch it and you can actually reuse it, you're going to save a ton of money. All you need to do is just put new fuel in there and do a new kind of test. Um, so that's one thing, as well as satellite technology. Satellites are getting smaller, sensors are getting stronger, satellites are lighter, and you're able to do even more than you were from a satellite 10 years ago. And if that continues to change, it's going to allow what more companies can actually do in outer space. So being able to kind of limit those, lower those barriers to entries for new competitors to come will create new technologies. And a lot of it will be reliant upon the infrastructure that's being built today.
1: So you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like space is a relatively new investment theme, uh, and certainly not as uh, well known as cybersecurity. Uh, So what has been the reaction, you know, across the street, as you've sort of gone, gone out and, and launched this fund?
4: Yeah, you know, I think we've seen a lot of a lot of interest from from all different areas. I think um, you know, retail investors, even even um, you know, p- people from home calling uh, and calling our, our eight hundred number and reaching out because they want to buy stock for for their kids that are fascinated in outer space and they want them to be able to have something that that they're already excited by. You know, so many people are excited by space, but they don't know what it means or they have completely wide ranging definitions for what it is. And you know that's why we were thrilled to be able to work with an individual and in a company that with so much experience in the space industry. I think what we've seen with um, you know the Robo Fund from um, Robo Global and you know, having a deep bench of individuals that understand the robotics industry, I think was something that was kind of helpful for them to get the message out. For us being able to work with various um, people from across the space industry to help others understand not just, hey, UFO exists, it's a fund. If you wanna get broad-based global diversification and exposure to space companies, here's a way that you can get exposure. But also really, this is an extremely important industry for not just America, but for global aspirations. And you know, the more you hear about climate change and environmental damage and turf wars and, uh, you know, in, on earth, there is tremendous collaboration going on from countries and companies from around the world trying to advance various human missions to increase what we can do in outer space. And a lot of them are using publicly traded companies. And if you look back to where we were years ago, it was almost completely a government funded kind of, okay, this is a national pride thing. But now governments are saying, you know what? We realize that we don't, not only can we not do everything in-house, but we don't even want to do everything in-house. If we could find a company that's going to be able to, help us complete our mission, we're happy to license or purchase that technology for you. And that's really that and advancement of space policy is really kind of taking that next level for outer space. And I think that people are starting to wake up, you know, clearly Morgan Stanley and Bank of America and other groups building out space research groups is a first sign that this is a serious industry and one that will hopefully be here for a long time. And we'll be talking about completely different things the next time we do one of these pre market preps um, when looking at the space industry. Uh, two issues before we let you go. Uh, getting a question I see that's
2: in your uh, index, M-A-X-R, if you want to make any comments on that.
4: And then I just did a quick look, and I don't see Tesla in there. Well, t- you know, Elon Musk is certainly known for his ambitions for outer space. However, um, much of that um, exposure is actually via his private company, which is actually SpaceX, So Tesla um, would be far from a a pure play company and even as a diversified company would have very little revenue growth from space. So that's that's a reason that is not included in the index. Maxar is a is a very interesting company with um, you know that's constantly changing, and they've actually helped Canada, um, you know, government agencies and others actually build build and um, operate several uh, satellite networks around the world. So Maxar is a really interesting player, one that has seen a lot of volatility, a lot of um, changeover, and um, you know. Um, additions and spin-offs and acquisitions and whatnot for that company. It's one that I think is um, has seen a lot of volatility, but is starting to figure out its, you know, its 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 place in the world. But it has done a lot of things um, within the U.S. and Canada as well.
1: All right. Andrew Channon is the co-founder and CEO of Procure AM and the new Procure Space ETF, ticker UFO. Andrew might be the best ETF namer on the street. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, good luck with the new fund. Thanks for having me. All right. 852, guys. How are we doing out there?
2: Well, we tried to clear yesterday's low at 12.75 here in the futures. We tried that on several times here, tried to get above there, hit it right on the kisser quite a few times. So there's our early morning resistance. Let's call it 3,113 for simplicity's sake. And then we've just kind of trickled back. Uh, still looking at that pre-market low is minor support at 0, 0,450. Um, on your dailies, I was wrong. You got nothing at 3,100. Uh, if you're looking for support in the s p daily chart, uh, basis not not the intraday trading but the regular session 95.75 that was your low on Friday that's back under 3100 intraday low on that day was 03 and a quarter that coincides nicely with your pre-market low at 0450.
3: Salesforce right. came out with some guidance. Yeah, I was about 20. to go there. Yeah, go we haven't there. talked it yet. Stocks are really doing nothing because I don't know why they came out with this guidance because it's really a nothing well, burger had, either. I'll
1: tell you why because okay. they're, they're, the Salesforce Dreamforce event is going on. That's like their, oh, annual, okay. their annual conference and they, gotcha. do, they, they have some investor presentations type at the beginning there. So that's why they had the, the, the guidance this morning. I don't know what the algos were reading because it it dropped on that and it's gotten it got in all back uh, this morning. So they raised. There, there's really nothing there. So the headline is just that they raised their uh, 2020 sales guidance here. Uh, and, but it's so slight. Give us those numbers. Like I mean, it's, yeah. it's... Well, yeah, it, it's a slight raise, and they they also gave some 2021 sales guidance, and that is in line with what analysts were expecting. So uh, there's very slight, very slight sales raise for this year. <laughs> I'm sorry, for next year and some some uh, updated guidance for the year after that.
3: So. There's nothing really to get that excited about here. So, I mean, yeah, it's sold off a little bit. It's come back. I don't know how they're interpreting. It's, it's, the numbers are so close to being in line on both both the sales guidance and the, uh, uh, for the 20 and the, for the 21 that it's hard to get excited about this at all.
2: I just quit to answer a quick question here for Paul W uh, what do we mean when we use the term comps? It's most often used in retail stocks, and it's just talking about how it comparables is really the full word and it re- refer- refers to the company's same store sales compared to the previous year. Or quarter at a similar store or stores put together so comps is just short for comparable
1: right so it's all it is is every a- any location that's been opened for at least 12 months they took the sales from last quarter and they compared it to the sales in the same quarter a year ago. They're so knocking you- out the new stores. Right. Forget, forget new stores. COMPs does not, does not account for new stores. It, it only yeah. accounts for stores that were open at the same time last year. And how do they do on a year-over-year basis? That's. I it. mean,
3: you obviously have growth from two areas. You know, when you're talking like a Shake Shack and you're talking different, you know, you have growth from opening new stores. So Sales are going to go up because you're opening new stores. But how are those existing stores doing? Exactly, exactly. Investors are very concerned. So you could open up new stores and be growing the sales number just by opening new stores. But that doesn't mean that the sales in the existing stores are growing. So it's very right. important, especially with new launches, on how those existing stores are doing. And that's where you look at the comps numbers. Exactly. So uh, let's pull a patrol. Actually, CRM is kind of a nothing burger here. I don't know. Yeah, if... I, yeah I, I, I pulled it up. But but it's I, come but back I'm... a long ways. You know, Spencer yeah. making a good point. It's come back a long ways in the last three weeks. I mean, right back up here at the highs again. I do believe the cloud story is going to get hot again here. It cooled off significantly. We can see a lot. Now, CRM has always been, it seems like, you know, a lot of these companies even came from, you know, executives of CRM. But a lot of them are starting to climb back. We see Twilio. We talked about the 90. Continues to climb. It's through 100. It's showing some life here now. I bought Workday in my long-term portfolio simply because I believe eventually they're going to come back. Also, Sean Udall, who's going to be on here in three minutes, actually talked me into it because he was on the, seg- the segment two weeks ago saying if you got a long-term time horizon, you know, really long, he was saying something like a workday you can't really go wrong with. And I was like, well, I have a retirement account. I like Sean Udall. He makes pretty good calls. And I also believe that the story will get out again. So even though the valuation is nosebleed on WDAY, I stuck a little bit in the long-term portfolio. Um, and we're gonna have Sean on in three minutes, so you know maybe he can elaborate a little bit on some of these stocks. But it, oh, the cloud stocks are starting to come back a bit.
2: What's going on in AT and T?
3: With why it's down here again? That's yeah. A question: what, what is going on with ATT? T? It's got to be a headline here. We missed something. I don't know. I well, mean, I'm we want going to I find even, out right now.
1: I didn't even see anything this morning. Did I didn't you? notice it either. I yeah, I didn't even didn't even look. I don't okay, know.
3: let's go find out, because AT&T is down another 83 cents here. Um, obviously, somebody said something somewhere, so I'm going hunting here as well. Moffat
2: Mason? That, that, that was yesterday. That was
3: yesterday. Yeah, I
2: know, I know, buddy. So they
3: kick-started he, he... this, so there is something else happening here in AT&T. Chad, help us out here. We're on the show live. Y'all yeah, at the news desk Yeah, on AT&T. We need to find out, because that's news. It's not going to down that's 80 cents on
2: nothing. That's a big move. It's not going to be down
3: 80 cents on nothing. I'm digging myself here as well, same time.
2: Yeah, it's down, uh, it's down below yesterday's low. Yesterday's I mean,
3: you know low. what? What? There's 606000 to sell as an imbalance. Could that be That's knocking it? it down 80 cents, though? Is there anything else out there? That's a huge imbalance for AT&T. I haven't seen one that big for a sell imbalance in a while. So that would knock it down some. I just can't believe they're knocking it down 2% because of that. Um, but that's a big sell imbalance. So there you go. So there is at least a catalyst from order flow perspective. I got to think somebody else has said something, though, because it's such a big move. I would not think the ARBs would knock it down that far. Hey, uh, hey what was the number on that? Balance. What was the number? 605,000 to sell on AT&T. That's significant. But it's already traded 229,000 shows this morning. But that's a big selling balance. I would think that would knock it down 20, 30 cents. I wouldn't think it would knock it down 83 cents. All right, I can, that's a big selling balance,
2: though. I can't confirm or deny this, but uh, Alan Lane says, KeyBank Dana shows deterioration in AT&T TV Now subscribers. KeyBank analyst Brandon Nispel. That's what,
1: that's weakness, weakness in eighteen t TV Now subscribers.
2: See, I don't
3: I don't know anything about that either. either All I can tell I. You is I just went through um, I just went through and checked through some news sources. I'm, I'm looking around here and I just asked a couple other traders. Um, They're seeing nothing except the imbalance. Okay. So I don't oh. see anything okay. that's jumping out at me. Um, maybe it's something. Maybe KeyBank had some commentary. There could be an analyst note out there here that we're missing. Uh, obviously, we're doing the show live and sometimes we miss something, but I think this looks like an imbalancing to me. Hey, 622,000 uh, wh- shares significant.
1: All right. One more before we go to Sean here. Let's look at uh, PDD, Pinduoduo. Duo. It is uh, the biggest loser on my down filter this morning. Yikes. Getting cracked on their earnings report. Uh, the sales Crack. Uh, or the EPS was light. The sales was light. Uh, and so this is like a Chinese e-commerce play. And Joel
3: Griffin saying you're right. There was a key bank note that came up this morning. That was a negative. I'm note. not right. Alan's so, right. Alan, Alan, thank you. So we've got a couple other traders saying now there was a key bank note here this morning. So you got a key bank note and you have a huge salad bounce. That's uh, kind
2: yeah, of. Yeah. And uh, who is it here? I think Abner's boy. I think he's going. Someone's looking for a fade here, a pre market fade fake out. Man, I just don't like that it's through yesterday's low like that. Pretty easy. So if you're looking for a bounce here, you definitely got to get above 37.37. 37. Uh, that 37.
3: Really Forget about it. This one's gonna, this one's not bouncing back. I don't think so.
2: <laughs> I, I you don't think so? You don't even think it's gonna see yesterday? $31.
3: Low? No, this is small, thin, 5.4. No, no, I, I, I'm
2: sorry, Dennis. I'm sorry. I went back to and I'm sorry.
3: About oh, you're that. an t sorry, 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 we moved
2: sorry, on. sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, okay,
3: no, no, that's my bad. We got two stocks in the 30s, so that's where we're yeah, It's like, did yeah. not come back 37. I'm sorry, no. you know, the hope trade here, 31.50. It's trade 5.4 million shares. This thing price discovery is happening. 30 bucks is going to you be go. your support on PDD. You got some there. If it, t- it takes out 30, look out below. I am scared to buy this stock down 22%. This one could be real ugly. What would that, have, it must have really been a disaster? Numbers, did you give us numbers yet? I mean, a, I gave yeah, I gave them kind of. their best. Okay. So the thing going on. So yeah. yeah, twenty cents lose. I'm just looking to. Yeah, it's a mess. The thing
2: different it's about mess. this. All right, I I see a couple lows at thirty, thirty oh two, and twenty ninety five, but they're staggered. So it's not like uh, you know, don't have the conviction uh, like that urban where you have four, five, six lows in the same area. This is two spotty lows. One on September 27th, and the other was back on August 26th. So little different scenario here. And this is a, this is a Chinese stock, correct?
1: Right. It's a yeah. Chinese e-commerce play. And yeah, our, so. our, our guest in our bonus hour has some thoughts on that. So I'm going to wrap up our show now and trans- thank you. transition to uh, the bonus hour. I want to thank our guest today, Andrew Channon. If you missed any part of our show, catch the podcast on any podcast platform or rewatch the show on YouTube.com slash Benzinga TV. Uh, please remember everything we say on the show is meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading advice. And on that note, let's bring on today's guest as I transition to our bonus hour. Sean Udall, CIO of Quantum Trading Strategies,
0: has been joining us. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app.